Hello guys, gals, and everyone in between, and welcome once again to Write First, Think Later. My name is Harry, and I will be your host this week. It is Thanksgiving week. I hope you all had a lovely, lovely Thanksgiving. It was just Thursday, and I'm recording this on a Sunday, so it was just a couple days ago. Hope you all had a great time by yourself, with your family, with your friends, with your dog, whatever you did on Thanksgiving, whoever you spent it with, whatever you ate, I hope it was a good time and you got to relax a teens. I hope you copped some lovely deals on Black Friday. I did with some smaller businesses, not really local businesses. I'm not comfy going like out and I live in small towns where there's nothing. <laughs> so I went on to some smaller business websites, some places I'm familiar with, got some art from some friends. So it was a great time. Hope you snagged some good deals on Black Friday. Yeah, and I hope you read, wrote, slept, ate, did whatever you wanted to do, however you wanted to celebrate. I've been reading not quite as much as I would like, but still reading and writing a teens. Again, not writing as much as I want. I'm hit, hitting kind of a stump with the story I'm currently working on, which sucks, but I'm still writing, getting some stuff done. Maybe I will continue doing some of that. Uh, I've also watched some of my like classic like comfort movies, some comfort TV shows, and I feel pretty good. I got all caught up and finished Lee Remini's Scientology in the Aftermath, which is 10 out of 10. Uh, and there's a new episode of And That's Why We Drink today and there will be a new listener episode uh on tuesday so i'm things are looking up a little bit and i did get to reorganize my bookshelf i got my christmas decorations out of course and had to move some stuff around so my bookshelf is reorganized i've got uh some books on display kind of turned outward rather than you can just see the spine so you see the whole front i've got my lovely lovely slytherin edition of the prisoner of azkaban of course set up i've also got my harry potter illustrated collection kind of moved and then I've got uh, a the final book in the Merciless series turned outward so you can see it. It is not my favorite in the series. It is very pretty, however, so I wanted to turn that outward. And then I have a... It's a little embarrassing. I have a uh, like version of the Chronicles of Narnia, but just prin the Prince Caspian book from when the movie came out in 2008. And I remember seeing this book in Walmart and being like, that's cool, but like I don't... I'm not going to just buy the Prince Caspian book to just read that part and not the rest of the series. So I didn't buy it, but I found it on Etsy a couple years ago and I bought it. <laughs> I bought it. It's a teensy book. It was like 10 bucks. Um, and it's got, you know, uh, pictures and stuff from the movie on the inside. Um, so there's like a little section in the middle, you know, what Disney used to do. Uh, so you can flip through and see like some pictures from the scene, some behind the scene pictures. But the front is like a movie poster. You know how they do with YA books or children's books when they get turned into movies and it's just so stupid and I love it so much so today I was like I need to I'll turn that one out too so I can see that one and it makes me very happy and I set up my Grishaverse books on the shelf um of my desk that used to have just like some decorations now it's just Grishaverse books with my lovely illustrated version of Lives of Saints turned out so of course the Darkling is like there being all broody and shadowy uh and it looks great and i'm super excited so i love my setup um great time anyway that was how i spent my day hope you all had a lovely thanksgiving i'm coming at you again today with more stuff about setting today we're going to specifically talk about time and we're going to look at kind of time jumps in different ways that you can play with time there are a bunch of different ways we have talked about timing before mostly with plot and when i was looking at the material for today, I realized like we have talked about some of it before, which is totally fine. We're going to go over 
some more stuff again, talk a little bit more about pacing and summarizing, but again, I think we've covered this before, so it's just kind of a refresher, just kind of a chance to dive into some of this stuff again. Um, and I'll try, next week I think will also be about timing, so that might be where we get into some more stuff, some different stuff, but a lot of this I think is going to be a rehash, which is totally fun. Um, so get excited. So I don't know how much longer we have on setting, maybe two or three episodes left. Uh, I might dive into world building in one specific one to just go into like different things for fantasy, how you build different fantasy worlds. There's a section or a little passport from Scribbler about fantasy world building that I'm pretty sure I read that is about how someone used all of the senses, all five of them, to go over um, like how they built the world and different things that they'd really try to include and how they went through it included each one and even based a world like a whole entire world off of these specific five senses so it's really really cool i'm gonna maybe go into that a little bit but i don't know how much longer we'll spend on setting um i definitely want to go into how you incorporate setting and description a little bit more into the draft itself so we will handle that but anyway today let's talk about time let's talk about pacing uh and different ways that you can kind of mess around with time Full disclaimer before we really begin, uh, I'm still adjusting to this. I've said before, like, setting and description, not my cup of tea, I'm working on it. Um, neither is pacing and, like, timing. I'm still trying to figure out what is best for my story, for me as a writer, what I like to do, my style, what I like to read. So it's a little, it's a little tricky. Um, so I'm still kind of going, so we are all going to learn together a little bit. Uh, kind of adjust to this together. So bear with me. I do have some tips, of course, that I want to share. I will share them at the end. I've got three tips uh, specifically, and they all kind of work together. So I'm still adjusting. I'm still learning. Um, most of this is going to be about summarizing, which is something I tend to not be great at. And I'm kind of in, I'm kind of in one part of the process in my tips I will talk about later. So full disclosure, I'm not like super skilled at this. This is not my cup of tea, not my forte. We will get into my cup of tea. We will discuss dialogue later, <laughs> um, but we're going to do setting first, get that out of the way. I'm still adjusting, so bear with me. But anyway, let's have some confidence in ourselves and about ourselves and about our competency as authors uh, and talk about pacing, the time of the story. This is not going to necessarily be like the time it is set in. This is not going to be like nighttime versus daytime versus 1850 versus 1851. This is going to be like the time that is spent in each scene of the story. The timeline of the story is probably the better way to set. Which then some of you are like, oh yeah, we've talked about timeline before. But it does play into setting a little bit, so we're going to talk about it here. And it does play into description and how much description is needed or necessary. So I thought it would be a good little detour to kind of go on. So like I said, we've gotten into this plotting, um, and there are several different ways to play with time, and there are a lot of different ways that um, you can kind of play with that basic structure. If you've got a basic structure of what you're wanting to do or work on, this is going to be right for you. This is going to be something that you can kind of go from and use really, really well. And if you're writing your story now, currently, and you're not in the planning process, um, this is also going to be kind of useful. So. Yay! Uh, but there are a couple different ways that you can play with and manipulate time. Like I said way back in the beginning, I'm going to just go with some basics. And then if there are more that I think are really interesting or worth talking about, I will add on to them in this episode or later on in the podcast as well. So I'm going to talk about two. If there are like three or four that you think are really interesting um, and you want to hear about, like, send them my way. 
slide in my DMs, if you will, uh, and let me know. As always, that's right first, think later on Instagram. But we're going to talk about time skips, time passes, and then we're also going to talk about flashbacks. We have talked about flashbacks before. Flashbacks are a little more self-explanatory. Don't need too, too much explaining or like thinking about. So I will just do basic with those. And in fact, we'll just do that now since I'm talking about it. So flashbacks are going to be scenes or moments when we see the character's past. We go back in time. It can be any point in their past or in the past of the story, but it's just kind of a general flashback. We're just going back a little bit for a teensy bit of time to give us more context, more of an understanding of how the current moment we're in is impactful, what it makes them think of, and just how the character's relationship might have developed. Crooked Kingdom does this kind of, um, Six of Crows does this a lot. If you look at Six of Crows, the entire thing pretty much is going to be, when it comes to Nita and Matthias, there's almost always a flashback when the two of them are together, to when they first met, to the boat that Nina was on, to the times that they were, like, wandering through Fierda together. Um, like I said, Crooked Kingdom does a little bit of this. I think it mostly does it with Jesper. There are some flashbacks um, and they're more summary based. Nina and Matthias are like scenes. They're not summary. Like we're getting scenes of them together. So those are the two different types of flashbacks. We've got summaries where we just kind of get broad strokes of things that happened, events or an event, and there are events and flashbacks that are scenes themselves. Both are fine, both are good, you just gotta figure out what works best for your scene specifically. The flashback can be a full chapter, it can be a little section, it can be a scene, it can be a snippet of a scene. Really, it's gonna be what works best for you, your characters, and your story. There are some things that say that your chapters should not be, or your flashbacks should not be like full chapters, which I don't know if I necessarily agree with. Uh, I think the idea there is that if you are feeling the need to flashback for full chapters, you might not have started at the proper time. Uh, if you feel like that full chapter is necessary, maybe it could be a prologue. You know, there are lots of things that could play in there, but I don't know if I necessarily believe that. Now, I don't know if a, I don't know if a full flashback if a flashback should be a full 20 pages i think uh it is not dumb or weird or abnormal or stupid or not proper quote-unquote writery things to do to have a flashback be a full chapter and that chapter could be 10 pages it could be five pages chapter does not need to be 20 pages um so it can be like a smaller chapter or a smaller chunk of story but it can still be like not just written into a scene it can still be kind of long but I do agree if you are feeling the need to do like multiple 20 page flashbacks or really a lot of 10 page flashbacks and the story itself is not like non-linear or episodic or kind of anth anthology based, anthropologically, I don't know. If it is supposed to be a, a linear story and you are feeling the need to do all of these like 20 page flashbacks, look at whether or not you did start on the right spot and if you did start on the right spot but you do want to continue flashing back all the time figure out a way to kind of work that in and make the thing a little more episodic uh you got to make sure as well that if you're flashing back the story is going to still make sense go hand in hand and knit together well so make sure when you're flashing back to a scene that scene is still playing into the current story at hand and it is still helping it make sense the primary thing for flashbacks is going to be to provide context and understanding for the readers for this current situation. Again, that can look 
like a number of different things and it can be in a number of different ways. It can be an emotional context. It can be a context for like the history of where we're at. It can be really anything. Typically it will be like an emotional context, which is totally fine. Uh, again, with Six of Crows, we're building Nina and Matthias's relationship. We're seeing how it got to be where it was before it all came crashing down. We're seeing how they were in the countryside of Fierda. We're kind of understanding their chemistry, how they were together, how they worked together, how she was able to uh, kind of help him decode <laughs> from being uh, a witch hunter. I can't remember what the, what the name is. Druskella, from being a Druskella. Um, how she was able to help him decode all of that and how he was going to help her get back to Ravka. And then the great, terrible, awful happened. And it was horrible and it was not great. And we were so sad for Miss Nina and we're even sadder for Mr. Matthias. So that it's getting that like emotional context, that backstory. You can do that. It can be something different, really anything. Um, but flashbacks have to serve some kind of a purpose. They have to either compel us emotionally. They have to compel the plot. They have to, they have to add something. They have to be compelling. So don't just flashback because you don't know what else to do. You got a flashback because it feels right and it serves a purpose. That being said, if you are writing and suddenly you feel like a flashback is necessary that you did not plan for, see where it takes you. See what it does. Don't stop that impulse. Sometimes you won't know the flashback needs to happen until you're there and it's happening. Uh, if you are a planner, a plotter, and you like to have everything charted out, do not fight that impulse. I know it's probably going to be really annoying that you're suddenly like spending time on this flashback, but it happens. Uh, in my current work in progress, there is a small flashback where my main character remembers a time that she and her brothers were out riding in the countryside they are very fancy like victorian people they're like Mar marquesses um so they have horses in a big manor and a big countryside to like ride their horses through and all that great stuff uh and the middle brother's horse fell and broke its leg in the middle of their ride and the young sister like leaps off the horse and she's gonna go help and she's like what do we do and the middle brother just picks her up and puts her back on the older brother's horse and uh he's like i will be keeping your horse here because i will need it and uh their father has like gone back to fetch uh like somebody to come help them with this horse who has now broken their leg and the older brother and the daughter ride off and she doesn't hear anything but eventually they all come back and her brother demetrius's horse is no longer there this provides a little emotional context. Um, she hurts herself very badly. She hurts her leg very badly and she feels very lame. Uh, and she feels like defeated and disgusted with herself. And she says some not, she says she wishes she was the horse. No big deal. Um, if you don't know what happens to horses when they break their legs, it is not great. It is not a fun time. Um, so that was not, not a great scene to write, but it, it is, it provided that emotional context of like what exactly she meant and that emotion she was in. Uh, it also is very prevalent because she's got a very big relationship with her two brothers and the scene prior and that scene, um, that the flashback is happening in very important with both of the brothers. So it, it, it serves a purpose. It serves more of a purpose right now than I think I consciously realized. My subconscious was like, you need a flashback and it needs to be about, the time that Demetrius's horse broke its leg and uh, Adolphus had to take Cornelia back to the house. Don't you love that they all have those weird names? <laughs> Don't we all love that? Anyway, flashbacks need to serve some kind of a purpose. If you feel the impulse to have a flashback, go with it. Just do it, you know. Uh, and if you write it and it doesn't work later, then take it up. No harm, no foul. But explore what that flashback impulse is leading you to. 
The other best known kind of time manipulation is going to be a basic time jump or time skip. As I know I said in the last episode, readers don't need to see everything that happens and they don't need to go through every little event that happens. In fact, they should not be doing that. Uh, Chelsea Ichasco, Ichasco, um, she is the author for Little Creeping Things. Uh, she said... I had to, I was trying to remember the title off the top of my head. I, I know for a fact that's what it's called and there's no question mark at the end. So just forgive that <laughs> delivery. Um, but she said that not every scene should have the urgency or the big emotional impact as those big, really powerful scenes that you need to compel the story because then every scene is not going to feel like it's as urgent. So we need scenes that are of minimal importance or a different kind of importance or not as like overall plot propelling because we need those moments to really know how important those scenes later are. When I first talked about this, I mentioned, and it is still my best example I think I could think of, Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. If you read Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, not everything is going to be important to the overall plot of the book and not everything is going to be important to the plot of the overall series. However, we need to have those moments that are just really not important. So that way later on we have moments that are important and we can see how vital they are and how like urgent that moment is. So it's okay to give us scenes where, you know, there's nothing really like crazy going on. Um, give us something in those scenes is my advice. So that way you feel like you're not just vamping and the reader does not just feel like you are vamping. So give us something of substance that adds to the characters and adds to kind of what's going on with them. One of the main conflicts in Order of the Phoenix is Harry and his just like emotional intelligence because it's really not there. You know, he's an orphan. Um, he's got all these friends. He has battled some crazy things. He's gone through some crazy stuff, but he does not really know how to handle emotions or girls at all. So he's got this whole thing with Cho and that is not really vital to the plot. It doesn't help answer the major dramatic question but it is so important for us to kind of get that brain break to take that break and to kind of go <laughs> through this really mundane thing with harry and just be like oh, dude you're really gonna sit there in madame puttyfoots and you're gonna tell her that you have to go meet hermione at the three broomsticks so you have to like hurry it up no 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 dude um so having those little moments takes lets the audience take a breath it also gives you like little subplots little other things about your character to kind of explore and go through but it also shows your reader real in real urgency is there what it looks like and what it is how it can be found um there are so many other things in order of the phoenix that are so urgent and so vital to the plot itself um I'm trying to think of ones that are not like at like the climax and at the peak, but Order of the Phoenix is just so fun because it sets up the next book with um, the Weasley twins and it sets up so much that's going to happen just throughout the rest of the story. I love Order of the Phoenix. It's not my favorite Harry Potter. It's my second favorite probably. It's great. Um, also Sirius and Remus and I love Sirius and Remus very, very much, very dearly. Uh, but anyway, so that book takes you through a really good example of smaller scenes that take away from the overall or that add to the overall urgency in different ways but let you kind of take a breath so i would say find ways to add to those scenes that are not huge and not urgent but don't be afraid to have them at first and just kind of not they're just there um <laughs> so that's totally fine i do that quite a bit i will write a scene and it's not 
the time it doesn't seem like it serves a purpose, but then I'm able to realize later on, like, oh, it does serve this purpose. This is something I can draw more out. This is something that I can bring there. Anyway, you're going to have those scenes that are super big and super urgent. You're going to have scenes that you need because they give us a break. They bring a different type of impact other than the big scenes. But what happens in between? Well, that is where time skips and time jumps come in to view. If you look at a story that is a month long, it takes place from October 1st to October 31st, you're not going to need to see every single day and you're not going to need to see every hour of every single day and you're certainly not going to need to see every minute of every single day. You are going to need to skip time because there are things that are unimportant. One, sleep. Duh. Two, meals. You don't need to see what everybody eats all the time. That being said, if you have ever seen Downton Abbey, you know how important meals can be in developing the plot and hearing about what's going on and connecting all these different ties. So don't discount meals altogether, but oftentimes, like, we don't need to sit through every single meal that your character has, right? Right. Also, October 17th might not be very important, so don't be afraid to, like, scratch that out. All that being said, there are going to be points in your story that are really important, points that are not important at all, and you can skip those unimportant points. There are going to be points that are connected by those time skips. And they're going to need to be summarized. You can't always just skip those like time, those blank slates in time where there's like nothing going on. I often felt like there were some books, um, and I feel like a philosopher's stone, sorcerer's stone, whatever, does this quite a bit. Um, it skips a lot of time. It just like jumps through things and I don't always know if it gave us like proper leeway. That being said, there's a lot to cover in those small times where we're there and there really wasn't a lot going on. It's their first year. Harry barely even knows that his parents were murdered. Like there's not much going on, but still there's comes a time when you're doing too many time skips when you're skipping too much and you feel like you're not giving your readers the proper context that they need or the proper leeway to be emotional and kind of attached to everything so summary is going to be best when you can summarize and cram in just like general stuff of what's going on that's going to be great some scenes might be completely summary other scenes might be long drawn out winded scenes uh, and you can find them the one that kind of works best for you and your story. You can also mix them. They don't have to all be exactly the same. You can have a scene that is half summary, half actual scene. It just kind of depends. Small examples of this on a scene to scene level and including time skips. Um, if your character is like meandering around this great park, uh, you can like cut a time when they're walking from like you know, this park bench over to the water fountain, you don't have to detail their entire travel over to the water fountain. You can summarize their walk through the park, you can summarize their lap around the water and go into great detail about the rest of the park. And then summarize, um, again, like their walk from the bench to the water fountain, completely skip their walk from the middle of the park to the car. If nothing of import happens, or if you're just going to be repeating the same information that we've already gotten, it's okay to just kind of do a time skip. But give your reader the context know that you are doing a time skip. Make sure that your reader knows that this is where they end off, this is where they are. And it's not it's not dumb or bad writing to say, like, oh, and I was over here at the lake and I thought about XYZ thing in my feeling marriage. Back in the car, I was still considering all of these. Like, that's okay. That's totally fine. That's not, like, bad writing or anything. I'm also of the belief that there's no quote-unquote bad writing. There is bad writing, but there's not. It's a whole long thing about things and ideology and pedagogy that I'm just not going to get into with you. 
I've gone all out of order for my notes, so I'm going to run through really quick and kind of give you those that chunk of text that I just narrated for you. I'm going to try to do it in order so I can summarize haha, everything and I can kind of go through in a way rather than just off the cuff. So readers don't need to see everything that happens. You can summarize events and you can skip events. Likewise, there are going to be some events that you have to explain and kind of drag out in great detail. Summary and time skips, again, not going to be the place for description and for setting. Long drawn out scenes are going to be the spot for setting. So that might be that max of four paragraphs. It might be a paragraph of setting, whatever it is, that's going to be where you need to do setting and where you need to kind of get into it or where there's more room for you to be able to get into it. But you can still drop pieces of setting and pieces of description into the summary and summarize sections. It's in flux. It does not all have to be the exact same and you do not always have to deploy the same method, same type of time skip in the area. It's what you think is going to work best for your story. And again, it's all in flex. I've said that before. I will say it again. So be sure to change it up. See what's going to work best for that scene, that moment. Go from there. Big emotional scenes will require a lot of reflection, a lot of dwelling. I mentioned this as well. So big emotional scenes, your characters are going to need to kind of think through and be startled by and go through some thought process of it doesn't need to be a full chapter of just like trying to recover and recoup from this big argument but we do need to see them kind of think through this argument what happened what they could have said what they should have said um what they did not hear from the other person things like that so give your reader time to like feel with the character mourn with the character get mad with the character summary is not going to be a great way to do that you can kind of summarize how the character is feeling but often if you're doing something like that you need to just make it like a long drawn out scene we need that emotional satisfaction uh, you also need to consider things that like the reader will need to read and know on context they will need to have things that they necessarily don't need to know. So go through and think of what are like the big really urgent scenes that we have to have and we have to know uh, and space those out. You don't want to have all of your if you have eight big urgent scenes you can't have eight big urgent scenes back to back to back to back to back. On the off chance it does work, it's exhausting, uh, and most of the time it makes every scene feel like it is just not urgent. It's just like the same, the same, the same. Even if you are doing that and you've got like eight scenes that are of high importance, high urgency, uh, you can summarize in between. That will help tremendously, but not every scene should be of great importance and great urgency urgency, I should say. Uh, that way when the scene is of great importance and great urgency, we feel it and we know it. That being said, you're going to want to have some scenes that are maybe a little more fun. They might have a different type of urgency, a different type of uh, thing that they're trying to accomplish, which is totally fine. If so, cool, great. If you're feeling really antsy about that and you're like, but I don't feel like they're doing anything or accomplishing anything, think about other points in the story. It could help and it could propel. Think about other things that are going on in your character's life that it could help and it could propel. Once again, the Cho Chang plotline in the... Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix like that we didn't need it we got it it was fine it was cool whatever um, but think of something like that where it will give us insight into a different part of the character different part of their relationships with people something to that effect really again Order of the Phoenix great example of this and of figuring out which scenes carry the most urgency and then finding scenes in between that are great places to kind of divert whether they're a chance to distract, a chance to let us breathe, a chance to kind of let us learn more, get more context, whatever it might be, give us kind of breaks in between. 
So again, following that like eight, if you have eight urgent scenes, uh, it's probably not a bad idea to have eight in between that just are not urgent. And then uh, one in the beginning that is an opener and one in the end that is a closer. So a total of, oh my goodness gracious. Um, actually a total of 16, a total of 16, not a total of 18 like I was thinking, a total of 16 because that one in the beginning should be kind of not crazy urgent and then the next one should be urgent and then the most urgent should be the climax and then you should have the resolution resolution yes <laughs> sorry i thought revolution for some reason i wanted to make sure i was saying the right word that is everything for the basic time skips time jumps time passes like i said before i covered it in plot before so i just kind of wanted to go over those again um time skips and time jumps and time passes are going to be really really important this is going to be the thing that you're going to use the most so get used to it learn quite a bit about it see how your favorite authors do it sometimes they will just do summaries sometimes they will actually just skip days and weeks uh, and there are a number of different ways to do it sometimes in some books like they don't really skip anything um the longer your book is the longer the timeline it is the more likely you're going to be to skip things the shorter the timeline the more likely it is you're going to kind of cram everything and do a lot of summarizing so find what works best for you like i said i'm still kind of learning still kind of struggling one of the things that I have read from other people and that I'm employing that I think will help is to write everything you think is important and then make edits and pull back. Like make edits and kind of take it away as you go throughout and kind of chop it back. So if you think a scene is going to be of importance and you think it's going to be great and you need to talk about it in full detail, do it. If you think a scene needs to be summarized, do it. If you think you can just skip a scene, do it. Do that. Write all that. Write everything you think you need to. Write how you think it needs to be and then edit it. Go back and make edits. Oh my god, did you remember you can edit things? You can go back with fresh eyes and a fresh mind and read it and check, do it, and fix it. <laughs> Y'all, great. So if you think that all of these scenes need to have that emotional urgency and they need to be detailed and drawn out and just long and long and long and long and the thing that is probably going to end up being 300 pages when it is finished or published hopefully is like 600 pages wow that's painful for you but you can pull back like don't be afraid to write more and then pull back and edit back it is so much better to have too much and pull back than not enough and really try to like eke more out so don't be afraid to pull back that was my philosophy as a writing center tutor. If you had too much for the prompt, I was very happy to help you pull back from it. Uh, that was my thought process as a student. Better to pull back than to try to add more. That's my thought process as a theater person. Better to do too much, go too hard, too quick in the beginning, and then say that was overacting. Let's kind of dial it back here and dial it back here a notch. So in your writing, don't be afraid to just go full out and not know what to skip and what to summarize and what to pass over and what is really important. Write it all if you think it's important. And then on that second read, when you're putting everything together, go back, cut it out. Not a crazy big deal. Totally manageable. And then you've got a ton of other stuff that you can kind of pick and choose from and more scenes to summarize if you want. And at the end of the day, all of those things will help you get a better understanding of the plot and of your characters. So it's kind of a win-win. I already talked about making every scene carries some kind of importance even if it just comes in the form of some relationships Joe Chang, Harry Potter you get the gist you can also try so if you are really struggling to continue a scene this has helped me as well if you are struggling to continue a scene and you know the scene is important and you just stop writing like you write a line of dialogue or you write a little stage direction 
whatever it might be, and uh, you just stop writing. There's like nothing else you can think of that should go next. Maybe that is the story, and the character is telling you that you're done with that bit. If you have written, and you've written this whole scene, and you are staring at this line of that happens to me all the time. You're staring at a line of dialogue, and you're like, I don't, I don't know what they would say next. I don't know what they should do next. I don't know what would happen next. I often give myself a couple days. Sometimes it's a month <laughs> before I like go back and I'm like, no, I can just go on next. Um, but give yourself some time. Really think about it. If it's just not coming and it's just not going and you're just stuck there, that is a great spot to either jump to the next scene or to summarize what happens next until the next moment of relative importance. That has helped me tremendously. Just saying like, okay, the characters, the story, whatever is trying to tell me something, it is done. This, this scene is done. I need to finish it. I'm trying to hold on to it. It's going to be done and I will find a place to say whatever they were going to say later. This is not the right moment. But that's everything. That'll be all of it. Uh, I'm very sorry. My brain is disoriented. I had some wine um, and Thanksgiving weekend. I'm sleepy. <laughs> so thank you for joining me. I really appreciate it. This episode is longer than I thought it would be. I apologize. As always, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, if you've got something you'd like me to read over, if you want to offer your own advice or ask for advice, please feel free to reach out at write first, think later at Instagram. You can also reach out at writepodcast at gmail.com. I got the handles mixed up. Sleepy Christmas wine. Sorry. <laughs> please enjoy your week. I will talk to y'all next weekend. And if you need anything, please feel free to reach out. If you've got questions, let me know. But in the meantime, I hope y'all stay happy and stay healthy and read quite a lot. <laughs> Bye guys.